And I keep bringing up the Bud Light issue specifically because it is one, it is a really interesting example of how conservative pressure can begin to go and make a difference. You're seeing establishment Republicans wanting Republicans to back off of Anheuser-Busch because Anheuser-Busch goes and donates to a lot of conservative causes. But therein lies the point. You have an opportunity for a a victory in this pressure on Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, because you have seen them respond. They put out a very word salad press release from the CEO that didn't really take a side either way. But now they're running patriotic ads to try to reform their image because they know they need conservatives. And I guess my point is I used to be a more of the mentality and Walter Hudson, state representative, joins me in studio. I used to be more of the mentality of. I wasn't a big boycott person, and I still, to a, to a certain level, am not a big boycott person because I feel like a lot of times it's very counterproductive. And I think there's certain groups that there's no point in going and boycotting, whether you're looking at like Nike or other organizations that already don't, you know, sort of contribute to conservative causes. That being said, we do have to start speaking up over these issues or else it's going to go the same level and the same way that the defund the police movement has, Black Lives Matter has, the anti-police rhetoric that's out there. There, that is, in my opinion, resulting in the loss of life, as we were just as I was just talking about in that piece from David Zimmer out of American Experiment. So I will give you the floor, sir. Good morning. <laughs> I don't even know that. It, and good morning, by the way. I don't even know that it qualifies as a boycott in a meaningful sense, because a boycott is usually it's organized and it's it's conveyed it's signaled as like this is something we're doing and people opt into it. And it's an intentional, it, there's, let's put it this way. There's some degree of inconvenience that you take on in order to participate in the boycott. If you're boycotting something, the presumption is it's, you would have benefited from engaging in that transaction. Sure. sure. We're talking about Bud Light. Right. Okay. Right. Um, there is literally zero cost to picking another beer. Uh, no matter no matter what your position is on beer, uh, no matter what type of beer you drink, there are analogs of Bud Light. There are plenty of them. Sure, sure. And it costs you nothing to make another choice. I don't think it's so much a boycott in the traditional sense so much as it is people being offended. Calling it out. Yeah. Well, they're, they are offended by Bud Light doing this. They yeah. are offended by Anheuser-Busch sticking this in their face and saying, drink it. Right. Okay. Um, and so their answer is no. And it's that simple. And you're right. We, we, we have to provide meaningful consequences for people who engage in illiberal actions and speech. And that's what we're dealing with here is illiberalism. The demand that you renounce your beliefs and convert to my position. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, I'm going to provide some, cause that's the threat that they have, right? Their threat to us is you will do as we say and say what we want and confess with your tongue. What we believe you will do those things or we will provide consequences to you, right? Like that's the threat that they have on offer. And so you, you can only fight that fire with fire and the difference between, and this is not, it's not an, in apples to oranges, you know, fire with fire is not a entirely accurate um, analogy because there is a difference between our demand and their demand. Our demand is backed up by the authority of the real. 
their demand is backed up by their arbitrary and capricious fantasies. Mm -hmm. And that matters. At the end of the day, that's what this is all about. There are only two types of situations that you could live under as a society. One where your authority, your ultimate authority, is reality, reason, and truth. Or one where your ultimate authority is the arbitrary and capricious tyranny of a person or group of people. Those are the only two choices. And by erasing reality as the authority, they are leaving only tyranny and might-making right as the alternative. And we have multiple... We have multiple examples of what you've just laid out in in varying degrees of severity. So we have it on the far end and the extremely severe and concerning when you look at matters relating to our children. When you look at what the U.N. is proposing, when you look at ideas presented by um, now Representative Lee Finke talking with a doctor, um, uh, Reverend Dr. Megan, in this interview about, you know, tricking uh, parents by switching covers on these books that that uh, Representative Lee Finke has, has written as it relates to queer children. And then you also have the ignoring of reality. And we talked about this last week of. The DFL and the House Communications Director not wanting to, you know, grant time for journalists to go and speak out. We saw another example of this with Fox 9 and Tom Lydon when yeah. they when the and again, this is specific to the House Communications Director. But you did the through line last week. This is a looking this is a turning away of reality in in another sense as well. We have to be more vocal. I don't know how we continue to keep up the pressure so that these things don't grab hold further than they already have within sort of the public sphere, because they have, I mean, they have grabbed hold of the public sphere and the example I go back to what happened with the defund the police movement. I go back to what happened with so many different corporations adopting the Marxist beliefs of BLM and the fear that too many people I have, in my opinion, had to push back on that for, you know, for fear of being called a racist. And look at what's happened now. The mentality that cops are bad and systemic racism has grabbed hold here in this country, and it's costing police officers their lives. Well, and that's just it, is that we're seeing tangible, deadly, real-world consequences for these horrendous, reprehensible ideas. And uh, the there is a point past which, and that's been pushed back against even in Minneapolis, right? Like we had that vote that failed even in Minneapolis to defund the police, uh, fold up the police department and replace it with some new right. social whatever. But then right? they went and did it anyway. Well, but, <laughs> but, but, but my point is, sure. and they acknowledge this because – more and more, they try to circumvent the electoral process, the legislative process, the, the public discourse, and just do things administratively or through, you know, ESG is an example of that. They're, they couldn't do it through the front door, so right. they're doing it through the back door, right? So what that tells me, what that tells us, is that we are still the majority. Because if we weren't, they wouldn't have to trick us. As Lee Finke suggests, right? Right. They wouldn't have to engage in obfuscation um, and administrative trickery. They they would just say, hey, here's what we want to do, and we'd all nod and do it. So the answer, as you say, is we need to get off our butts, and we need to open our mouths, and we need to push back unapologetically, peacefully, (laughs) but relentlessly. 
Like, I am not moving off of my position that reality matters. Reality matters. Period. That's it. That is the only thing, because that is the context in which we live. And reality has consequences. And the degree to which you abide by, the degree to which you eat something that's nutritious versus poisonous is the degree to which you live or die. Those are the stakes. And so to the extent that you are undermining reality as the authority under which we live and undermining truth and justice as the virtues which will guide our society, to the extent you are undermining that, you are undermining life. That's why I'm so angry about it. You get all of this, you get all these, uh, th- this pushback of why do you care so much? Because I live in a real world. Yeah. And in order to function within it, I must be allowed to navigate it rationally. And you're demanding that I renounce reason as my means of cognition. You're demanding that I renounce my God, renounce my grasp on reality. Look, look at, at four lights and say they're five. That's what you're demanding. And if I yield to that, if I bend the knee to that, I am a slave forever. If I bend the knee to that, there is nothing left. Because if if reason and reality and truth are not the final authorities upon which we stand, we have nothing. It comes down to, because in that context, whoever has the political power can literally just make up anything Mm -hmm. and then enforce it. And you have nothing to come back against it with. Well, and that mentality has been, you know, pervasive throughout this. I don't need to tell you, you're there, you know, throughout this entire legislative session. I mean, it trickles on down to the way these policies are being, you know, crafted. I'm surprised. I'm like, I am, Walter, I am legitimately surprised. Like, I, when I saw the story that DFL's delivery fee runs into wall after key senator reveals opposition. This was that proposed uh, 75 cent delivery fee on most retail goods uh, sent to homes and businesses. We covered it last week. I was genuinely shocked to see there was actually opposition to this. I think it goes to show there is still a bit of sanity that's out there. But to your point, the more that the salacious items that we talk about, that we started off this conversation with continuing to grab hold, um, the fewer and fewer opportunities to have this type of opposition on something like this that has a tangible impact on you and businesses is going to take place. I was genuinely surprised when I'm like, hey, look at that, a little bit of sanity left in the world. Let me give you the next one that they're going to get pushed back against. So this this news uh, just broke recently. In fact, I don't even know if it's actually qualified as news yet. Oh, um, They're going to take away your charitable gambling. Uh, your ability to raise funds with e-pull tabs um, for your basketball team or your your high school hockey league or whatever the your your charitable organization locally your bars your VFWs they're going to take that away why because the tribes told them to wow the tribes told them to so they're going to do it um they are going to hand over your capacity to organize your community for the benefit of those in need. And the benefit of your kids and your institutions, they're going to take that away from you in order to hand out, in order to reward and give back to their political contributors, the tribes in Minnesota. What are they attaching this to? Is it going to be its own separate bill uh, or is it is it buried within? I'll have to get back to you. Okay. But it's right. definitely inside <laughs> one of these bills. And, and listen, um, you know, I, I played some role. In unanimous passage of the Indian Family Preservation Act earlier this year, okay, because I believed it was the right thing to do. Um, I'm engaged in an ongoing effort to 
learn more about the history of tribal relations in the state of Minnesota. Um, and th- this is by no means a critique uh, of tribal identity. There's, there is a real history there that needs to be acknowledged. But there is, there is no historical injustice argument you can craft that justifies literally taking candy from babies, which is what this is. Wow. You, you, are, you are taking away our capacity to raise money from our own community for the benefit of our own community in order to enrich yourself. I mean, that sounds pretty criminal to me. Yeah. And that's and it is those things. Look, there is overreach. Obviously, there's overreach that's happening left and right. Um, and the answer is, you know, it's not because you'll make the argument you mentioned earlier, the establishment, you know, the the Don Juniors of the world. Right, right. Exactly what I was. Referring um, to, yeah, we need to we need to go easy on Anheuser Busch. Yeah. If they do it again, yeah, right. If they do it again, no, but- it's it is not a either or. It is a plus and. We go after all of it, yeah. all the time, all the time, because that's what they do. Yep. And, the, and when we do that, we win because, again, we stand on the authority of truth. Like, we have, we have all of the innate natural advantage. We are flowing downstream with the current of reality. They have to craft these steamboats in order to go up it, mm-hmm. right? So the moment we actually put some effort into it, we steamroll them. Well, and the reason— and, and- and the reason why is because, and I don't know when the change occurred. I don't know if it happened, you know, in a moment in time is probably something that happened more in a longer period of time. But even in my career of 27 years of radio, 15 of that doing talk radio, I can remember there was still a time when reality still mattered debates still mattered you still sat you still sat down point counterpoint and you can walk away with some semblance of an idea of what somebody was putting forward because we were still sitting in a place where we had sort of universal truths that we were adopting that's gone away now so as you've been laying out and as we've talked about on the show when you are no longer willing to accept reality on its face you're you know there's no point in arguing anymore so the only recourse that's kind of left is what we're talking about you've got to be vocal you have got to figure out a way to lawfully yes <laughs> push back i want to continue to go and say that it's like this and i've been sitting on it like it, for as silly as it sounds there's this new free um notification system woke alerts it informs consumers when a company promotes a radical left-wing agenda compromising the values of traditional american consumers for as weird as that sounds you kind of go yeah that could actually be very very beneficial because you're going to have to start taking the fight to that level because you're dealing with an opposition that simply refuses to even embrace reality and how can you argue facts and figures with a person that is not going to accept those facts and figures as being truth when they just have their own truth yeah i mean the only flaw in that plan is i think it might be easier to try to just start with the assumption that they're all woke and then <laughs> work your way backwards from there. true 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 Let's- but- Go ahead. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, there there does need to be. And look, you can't. I like Matt Walsh's take on this, on the whole boycott phenomenon. Um, it's true that it is impractical to just go around questioning every transaction right. and, and trying to Google the, the fast food restaurant that you're stopping at in order to get lunch and then starve if, if they have done something woke. That's not practical. But picking our battles mm-hmm. strategically 
I mean, this Bud Light thing is low hanging fruit. Yeah. And it it has it also has a lot of leverage, right? Because all the other companies are watching it happen. And it stands as an example of, whoa, that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We probably shouldn't go in that direction. Right. And that's the effect that you want to have. Yeah. Taking the battles is the key. It's absolutely the key. That's why you don't bother going out. Like I mentioned before, you know, um, Nike adopting sort of similar stances, you know, you don't, okay. Nike's a lost cause. They're right. not, they, they don't need, they don't, we're not buying Nike shoes. They don't right. need, they don't need right. conservatives, right. but light needs conservatives. They, they need middle America to go and right. buy their products. So you've got to choose your, your, your avenues to go in and push back on. Um, while we've got you here, let's go here. I just want to get to some details of things that are actually happening in the legislative session. Well, this is all still a part of it. Because, unfortunately, it's affecting the mentality of so many individuals that are there. Uh, Pioneer Press uh, lays it out this way. Uh, Democrats in control of the Minnesota House released details Monday of their plans to uh, change uh, tax rates. Uh, tar- uh, yes, change tax rates by uh, $3 billion, including rebates, cuts, and credits, also while generating new revenue. $1.25 billion in rebates, other reductions, some tax hikes as they work on the uh, state uh, budget. So where is this at? I am seeing in here some rebates as it relates to couples and families. You're looking at $275 for a single filer, $550 for couples, $275 for each, three dependents. I'm assuming these are all tax breaks. We're going to tax write-offs. Is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, I haven't looked into it too deeply. What I heard was tax credits. Yeah, that's how it's being labeled in the story, tax credits. And, you know, 200 and some odd dollars, I think the surplus breaks down to roughly $3,000 per person. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty tiny fraction yeah. of what they overcharged you. Um, and it's also a complete illusion. And you're an idiot if you think you're actually getting your money back. Because while they're handing you a $200 check, they're jacking up not just overt taxes and fees on everything under the sun, they are also increasing the expense of living, the cost of living. Last night on the House floor, they passed their environment and energy omnibus, and this thing is going to make life more expensive in Minnesota. I've talked about it before. They are going to make it prohibitively expensive to live in this state. The, the impact of new taxes and fees, we're talking about $33 or $33 million of uh, tax increases and fee increases, mandates that are going to drive up energy costs. And that has a downstream economic impact on literally everything because you need energy to do literally anything. And so to the extent that energy costs go up, so goes the cost of food, so goes the cost of transportation, so goes the cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Are you liking the way your pocketbook feels now, <laughs> today? Well, get ready, because it's about to get a lot tighter. What's the mentality on, I mean, I guess that's probably, just how do they see any of this as sustainable? Does it just not, it just doesn't matter to them? They just figure people are just going to become accustomed. We were talking to it earlier, talking about it earlier. We mentioned the gas prices are back up, but we've already reached in a very short period of time to where that's just become the new norm as we, you know, go about trying to live our lives. So is that the is that the desire here that people will just accept that this is the norm here in Minnesota? You've decided to live here. If you don't like it, you can move somewhere else. It's hard to get inside the head of irrational people. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked earlier about the importance of having as your authority, reality, reason and truth. 
Um, <laughs> clearly, we know we, we need only look at one bill, Lee Finke's bill, the yeah. trans-refugee bill. Clearly, we know that they have abandoned those faculties and those realities. Um, and so once you've done that, it's Katie bar the door, right? Like they, they don't operate. And we see this in debate on the House floor all the time and in our committees. They don't operate under the burden of having to demonstrate the truth of their claims. They just make them. And when you make a counter argument, when you when you like stick the landing, which our members frequently do in their explanations and their defenses of truth, when we stick the landing, they just simply sidestep it and ignore it and address an argument that wasn't made. It's it's astounding. It's deeply frustrating. Um, but it's but it's what it, what it demonstrates for us. The practical utility of that observation is that they cannot be reasoned with. Yeah. They cannot be bargained with. They have no pity. They have no remorse. They're not going to stop until you're dead. Right. Um, and so they must be defeated. That is our only recourse. We have to defeat them, not convince them. Yeah. And if we don't, I mean, there's an article here that I'll get to um, probably on tomorrow's show. But why America's tech capital is in the grip of a, of an apocalyptic death loop. And it's a fascinating, lengthy piece out of Daily Mail of what's happened in San Francisco. And while the. The revenue generating component of it in terms of Silicon Valley are certainly different than what we're dealing with here, say, in Minneapolis. The realities of the story are taking place here as well. I mean, we're just we're on the where they are far. They're a few years down the line from where we are. We are ending up in our own death loop. Before we let you go this morning, I believe we do have a talk back question for uh, Walter Hudson. Walter, how legitimate is this? Um, we just had our VFW meeting last night where we gave away almost $20,000 to youth activities in our community. I'm the gambling manager for my VFW. I need to get my people organized and down there protesting. You know, I mean, where can we find these resources? I mean, that is a huge, huge bust on our community if that happens. 100%. Absolutely correct. And what I can tell you is that we're working on getting that word out to every we, we are actively looking at who who is benefiting from charitable gambling today. And we are going to ensure that this message gets to them in short order that they need to do precisely that. You need to be contacting your legislators, especially the Democrats, and letting them know that you are going to metaphorically burn it all down 